All right, C12. So here's how tonight is going to work. I have some special guests with us, three of the pastors here at the church. They're going to join me up here, and we are going to be discussing the questions that you have been sending in over the last three weeks. We have had over 50 questions sent in, and there are even like 10 that have come in today because we love procrastination, right? That's just what happens. It's fine. So as we've gotten all your questions, we've been kind of whittling some of them down because here's the deal. Over the next 45 minutes, we're going to be answering the questions, but the truth is we could be doing this from all the questions you asked all night. So while we may not touch every single question that was sent in, we believe that the ones that we've picked, that we're going to try to get through all of them, by going through these, we will hit many of your questions, even if they're not the specific ones that were asked. Now, here is why I believe that tonight is so important. We talked in the very first week about asking God questions, how asking God questions is a good practice to have, how we can grow up your faith, how we can learn from that, and how when we do that, he gives us answers, but he also gives us faith, faith to grow us up and to get us through even the most difficult seasons of life. But then if we go into more of a doubt and we stop trusting God, we can turn from asking God questions to questioning God. And when doubt sets in, that trend can become very dangerous. And so we have to be aware of as we ask God questions, has our heart changed towards him at all? And see, the questions that you have tonight may be questions that you're directing straight to God that you're just asking us. But some of the questions have to do more with like life wisdom and how to get through this and what to do in this situation and dinosaurs and that kind of stuff, right? But here's the deal for all the questions and for tonight. Tonight is not stump the pastor night, okay? Uh, we are not afraid to say, I don't know, if we don't know. I'm not in any way, we don't in any way feel like we know every single answer that there is. If there's something I don't know, I'm going to say I don't know, because I'm not going to give conjecture of what I think might be true, but is not actually true. So we might say I don't know, but the second thing that you got to understand is, that as we get into these questions, it's very important to understand that the very first thing, the very, the very first thing, the way that you would respond to these questions, if, if they were asked to you, the same thing of them being asked to us. However you answer these questions is dependent upon what it is that you believe about God. So whatever it is that you believe about God will determine how you answer these questions. We talked about this two weeks ago. And ultimately, the authority that we're going to pull from is from the Bible. Because the Bible is where we find all of the answers that we need. How you interpret them, how you dig down, how you get to them, that's for you to figure out within your faith. And hopefully tonight will help you in that. Because we believe that for the four of us, the answers that we're going to give you are biblically based. They're things that we've researched, things that we've put time into in our old years. Um, I got some gray right here. I haven't hit here yet. Maybe Monahan does. I don't know. Maybe he might. Yeah, he's a little older. But listen, tonight's going to be a blast. And we also want you to tweet in questions live. Maybe you're sitting here and you're hearing answers and you're like, you know what? That makes me think about this question. Or maybe I should go and ask this question. Send it in. I will be right here following the whole time the questions that you ask because we want to ask some of those questions live, not just the ones that you've been sending in over the last four days. So I'm going to stop talking and I'm going to let three other guys continue to talk up here with me. But first, I need you to just give them a round of applause to let them know how thankful you are that they're here. Come on. So I'll go ahead and tell you who they are as they come and have a seat. I think we have a slide with their, with their names. We have Kevin Monahan with us. Kevin, wave. Say hey, Kevin. Kevin. Kevin is the pastor of our next ministries. He's my boss. Okay, so Kevin over there, he's awesome. Then we have Trey. Say hey, Trey. Okay, this is not hey, Trey. I don't know where you're confused. Say hey, Trey. There, that works. Okay, Thanks, yeah. Guys. Trey Hildebrand. I think you, you remember Trey from a few weeks ago? He's, yeah. 
That's right. We like you, Trey. All right. And then, yeah, all the, all the girls. His wife's here tonight. You hold your my tongue, okay? And yeah, and, and his son's name is Bear. How manly oh, is that? Or how? It's the, mo- it's the most awesome thing in the world. Okay. And then we also have Travis. Everyone? Yeah. Travis? Yes. Travis is our online campus pastor. Oh, that's a good grief. We're going to have so much fun tonight. Yes. I, if only you could hear the things that we say when we're not mic'd up. It's I'm incredible. Sorry. I it's, just shouldn't talk. I won't. I only talk appropriately. So that's listen. Cheered for me. I wanted to like yeah and give you the like the finger. Yeah. It made no sense. Like no sense at all. I'm like yeah. Just I don't know why. So I apologize. Remember, remember that yeah. Remember that time when I said tonight was gonna no be fun. Sense. This That's is why. In my head. Yes, I you should. Yes, right. you should cheer for that. We're good. So here's what we're gonna do. We have a list of the questions. We're just gonna have some dialogue. We want to talk with you. We want to answer your questions. We're gonna try to give answers as best as we know how to give. I have a list of the questions that I'm gonna run down. If you have some, we didn't give you a little bulletin tonight, but if you have something to write down with, hopefully that helps you. You can write it on your phone, whatever it is for you. Hopefully this engages you. My prayer is that if you came into this place with questions and with doubts, that you would leave this place with truth that maybe you would stop questioning God and you would leave this place with answers about who God is and what it is that he does and how he wants you to live. So the first question, gentlemen, our esteemed panel, you have glasses on, dude. He's old. He's old. (laughs) He's also, he's, he's our, he's our doctor on the panel. So the first question that was sent in is, is it possible to date someone who is not at the same level as you spiritually? Anybody? Larson did. Somebody just got called out in the room. Hang on. Yeah, yeah. Monahan just tried to call me out. <laughs> no, I heard somebody out here call call like a buddy out. Yeah. Uh, did, that's. I don't even know what this means, it's but that's not, not nice. So, is it possible? The Lakers. Anyway, doesn't matter. Is it possible to, to answer, date someone? To question. Is yeah. on the same level as you spiritually? It's totally possible. It's possible to do all kinds of things. Just jack up your life. Sure. I mean, doesn't mean it's a good idea. But yeah, it's possible. Yes. Go do whatever you want, I guess. But, I mean, the heart of your question is, I guess, is it a good idea? And I would say, generally speaking, uh, you know, we want to draw a line in the sand where it says, all right, don't be unequally yoked with unbelievers. That means that anyone who says they're a Christian, then we can totally, like, date anyone who says they're a Christian. And I think that's really lowering the bar because uh, I think, ideally, the whole concept of not being unequally yoked is... This is going to sound weird. It's like a farming terminology where two oxen are tied together and they're plowing the land. And just because uh, I want to be next to someone who is moving at the same pace I am. Right. Especially, by the way, if I'm a woman who um, is going to get in a relationship with a man that I want to lead me, then I definitely want him at or, or beyond me. Because right. I, I want to be led by someone who, uh, who I can follow and respect and not yeah. have to pull. No. You know, here's see now that's all the girls. See now go. they're cheering for you, bro. And you wanted to give them the finger. Yeah. This <laughs> <laughs> finger, the ring finger. No, here's what's interesting about all of these questions is they all typically reveal something deeper. Like you're, you're, there's something going on inside of you that kind of pushes you to ask that question. And when you ask a question like that, so uh, you know, can I date someone that's not on the same spiritual level as me? Ultimately, you're kind of wrestling with something that's. That you're, you're trying to find an out to date someone that you probably feel some conviction as to not date. Does that make sense? 
And so if you feel that tempt- if you feel that pressure, that tension within you to say, man, this person probably is not at a level in, in our relationship that's going to lead me closer to Jesus, for you to even ask that question reveals you probably already know the answer. And so I would listen to that. Listen to that conviction. Listen to the Holy Spirit. Listen to what, to what Travis just said. Yeah. And uh, pursue someone that's going to uh, be running alongside you at the same pace towards Christ. Yeah, missionary dating is never the wisest decision in the world. Um, here, let's move to the next one. How can we, I told you, this is going to be fun. Okay. So the second question, how can we determine the difference between God's voice and our own voice? Kevin? <laughs> Doctor? Uh, I think that's a great question. Thank you for asking that. Um, I, I think it, there, it presupposes in that question that you can hear God's voice, that there is this sense of a meaning, meaningful, powerful God who does want to communicate with you and that we can hear it. Um, I do think scripture supports that. I think that there is aspects of, man, how do I hear that voice? How do I understand that voice? Um, to be honest with you, I think what, what the easiest way to do it is, is, is it already written in Scripture? We live in a world right now that wants, uh, in a small amount of characters, to have a six-second six conversation uh, and, and an answer to something complex in a very simple and quick format. And I think uh, we also, the second part is we also want something new. Uh, the truth of the matter is, I think for all of us, I, I mean, I know all of us on this panel, but all of us in this room, um, it, it's not that we need new information. I just need to obey some of the stuff that's already there. I mean, the truth of the matter, like no one's going, none of us are thinking today, man, should I go kill somebody tonight before I go home? Well, of course not. Do you need you to do it pray? after you go home? Yeah, yeah, right. yeah like I, video video I'm games. Sad. It's yeah. video games. Yeah, have an Tell alias. Your that. That's awesome. Like, um, <laughs> you know, I mean, there's obvious questions, and, and and the truth of the matter is, we start looking for scripture, and and, and scripture being our lens and our, our focal point of through that. There's a lot of things that, quite honestly, man, oh, I'm going to hear from God from this. You, you got to ask yourself: Have you already heard from God from this? Is is there some truth that's already there mm-hmm. that God's clarified that for you? Of being like, man, should I date that person? You know, should I take that job? Looking some of those things gets complicated, no doubt. But I think that God's already spoken in some some ways uh, very clearly on what we need to do. And so if we if we do listen to God in all of that stuff, I think the other part of it is um, you got to be really careful who your friends are and how they influence you. I mean, like, I, I think I've seen this more in, like, breakups and stuff like that of, Man, like you, you get your heart broken or somebody else breaks your heart and you go and you run up to like your friends that have been in like 50 dysfunctional relationships before. Mm, and, great advice. And they give you like the worst advice ever. Yeah. And, and, but we do that. Why? You know, misery loves company. We want to run all that stuff. So I think, uh, I mean, to answer your question, I think with God's way, I think scripture's a great part of that. I think yep. uh, Psalms goes, it says wise counsel of right. people that are really there to help you see blind spots that you may not see. And your, your best friends know those parts of you. I, I love in Proverbs, which says the wounds of a friend can be trusted. And to be able to have friends that are in front of you that are saying, listen, man, I know this is not a good idea for you. I know that guy's not good for you. I know that that job, you're going to put your church community, or you're going to put your, your beliefs on the back burner 
in order to be elevated financially or in your career or something like that, and that's not a wise move. Um, I think if you start with those kind of things, yeah. scripture and wise counsel, there's other things to navigate, but 99% of the decisions you made are going to be answered in those two things. And you got to do it in that order. You can't just go and friends, I mean, if your friend's like, well, man, the Bible's pretty, is okay on this, but I think you should do, that's when you run. You know? like <laughs> at, that, at that point, it should be supported by scripture and just good, good wisdom. You know, if it's 2 a.m. and there's Jägermeister involved, that's probably a bad idea. So, you know, at, if it's a, if it's so. a Thursday, then it's definitely, yeah, yeah okay. I mean, okay. at any, well, really anything well, after 2 a.m. But on the flip side, then, if this is another question, if, if this is a way to determine God's voice versus our own, what about when God is silent? Like if God's silent in your life, then how do you respond? When, when you're praying something and there's no answer, how is it that you have found responding in those moments has worked for you? Or what is it that you do? I mean, for me, you respond to what he has spoken to, I guess. I mean, there's very little that God is actually silent about if you, if you really study the scriptures. And usually the questions that we're asking that he's not silent about is because maybe he wants you to focus on something that he's actually spoken about. You know what I mean? Like, maybe it's not about the person that you're dating. It's about the person that you are. And he speaks a ton about how to build character in your life. Right. So let's just start working on how to build character in our own life instead of worrying about the other person. You know, so... Yeah, and in the midst of the silence, because there's going to be times when, when I feel like God may seem to be distant regarding a specific issue. But you see all throughout the book of Psalms where uh, David would, would say, God, where are you? And you'd see this theme of God, where are you? God, where are you? And then a Psalm 40 comes along and says, I waited patiently on the Lord. And he inclined to me and he heard my cry and he picked me up out of the, out of the pit. And so there's this, this theme of being patient at times. You want an answer right now? It's how we're wired. We want to go, go, yeah. go and get the answers we want right now. ADD uh, America, right? Yeah, like, and, and maybe, Twitter. maybe God. God's saying, exactly. And maybe God's saying, hey, chill out for a minute. Wait. Be faithful with where you are. Be faithful with your next step. Be faithful with, with uh, the place that, you know, that I've put you in this moment. Be patient. And, yeah. uh, and I'll speak and I'll move as you pursue me in that moment. One of, the, uh, one of the best images that I've heard of this is like in a classroom setting. And how many of y'all are in school? Raise your hand. There. Okay. So you understand. How many of you have ever been in school? And everybody. Okay. Now, when you're in a test... Does the teacher talk to you during a test? No. Could you go up and be like, yeah, the, the answer is no. That's right, Travis. Like the teacher doesn't go around and, hey, are you having trouble? Yeah, let me tell you how to get this answer. That never happens. Because in a test, you have to keep pressing forward and keep doing it, understanding that there's this opportunity for you to live out your faith and see what it's like. And so maybe he's silent because you're in a test. Because he's not going to speak to you and give you the answer right now because you get to play it out and figure out how it works in your life. Doctor? Let's move on, man. We got yeah. like 30 I know. He just looks like he's ready. Oh. No, no, no. Just okay. Just All right. So this is a fun one. How do, you, how do you find the strength? You might need to reword this. How do you find the strength to push aside and move on from past demons and past temptations? This person said, the harder that I try to strengthen my relationship with Christ, the harder that my past temptations seem to hit me. So how, do you, how is it that you move on from your past? Hard work. Freaking hard work. I mean, it's like I, I, I don't work out, clearly. So uh, it's like every time I go to the gym, the next day I want to sleep in and eat donuts. At the same time, total like sleep and eat. Doesn't make any sense. It's hard work to get up and do it again, and then to get up and do it again, and then to get up and do it again. Like, yeah. It has nothing to do with how we feel. It has to do with obedience sometimes. Some you know? dis discipline, diligence. Yeah, you know, and uh, I mean, 
how do you find the strength? You find the strength by understanding theologically the concept of the Holy Spirit, that your nature, your old self is dead, and you have a new heart put in you, that the same Holy Spirit that raised literally Jesus from the dead now lives inside of you. The power that literally raised a dead man back to life now lives inside of you. Okay, so that power is waiting to be working in your life. So when you don't realize that the old self is dead and there's a new heart in you and God no longer looks and, and sees you by your sin and identifies you by that and says, I'm sorry, I want a relationship with you, but I can't because you're a sinner and I'm holy. Now he looks at you and sees Jesus' death covering over you and a brand new heart put in you with the Holy Spirit. Now, all of a sudden, you have a brand new life. You, you, you are not viewed the same way by God, and we have to embrace the way God sees us and act accordingly with the power that we've been given through the Holy Spirit. Right. Oh, that's yeah. right. Drop Preach it. Yeah. Bit, yeah. Actually, actually, there was a tweet that just came in that said, uh, hashtag C12 questions, Travis is awesome. So good job. I don't know. That's really Travis, Travis, really is, Travis so is awesome. Let's clean that up. I don't know right? what that means. Yeah. All right. formal question. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to move to one that came in through Twitter. Um, it says, and this is kind of a, a deep one that maybe some of you thought about before, and it has some theological ties. If someone accepts Christ but then denounces their faith, do they remain saved? Wow, that's a great question. Any of you guys want to answer that? Yeah. This is it, so much Go fun. It, doctor. <laughs> I totally freaking do, man. Yeah. <laughs> But, but I'm answering all the questions, so you guys go ahead. Yeah, I, I think, there, I mean, once again, I mean, these are questions that are great, but I think you got to go to the heart of the question. And part of that is, what does it mean to be saved? And I mean, that, that's such an amazing question. Is it a transfer of knowledge? Is there some kind of, uh, I, the early Christian church dealt with something called Gnosticism, which is basically means secret knowledge. Was there something that I know? And, and let's be honest, we perpetuate that sometime <laughs> in church. I don't know what... Uh, we come from different denominations, some of us that grew up in church. And I know for ours, it was like, even as a little kid, it was like, hey, if you say this prayer, you say this phrase, that there's some kind of mantra of like, I've got this secret knowledge in my heart, in my mind, that now I'm like absolutely uh, saved in all that and stuff. So I think asking the question of salvation, which is called soteriology, that the aspects of studying salvation is such a great pursuit. Uh, I would encourage that. I mean, it's one that you can take classes on yeah. and go after all that stuff. Um, and now, knowing that is your foundation, the aspect is, can I lose my salvation? Right. Uh, I would say no. Uh, my preference in study of the scripture, and I would say this, uh, because my salvation is not built upon me. Right. Um, I think... Uh, I think you can go back with semantics. Maybe I didn't mean it. Didn't I? And we get this. I work with children's mystery a lot. And we see, you know, eight, nine-year-olds. And it's like, hey, little Billy, do you want to go to heaven uh, with mommy and daddy? Or do you want to go to hell with the devil? Well, <laughs> but, I mean, honestly, uh, who, answers, who answers that? You know what I'm saying? It's uh, like, uh, but, but, I mean, this all joking one. aside, we, we do that. I mean, as, as, as a church that's not, not 12 Stone, in fact, 12 Stone, we have this thing called Leading Your Child Through Christ and, uh, to Christ, and it's actually walking and partnering with parents in order yeah. to walk them through of what does that decision mean? Because, of course, they're like, oh, yes, of course I want to be with you. But um, the aspect of losing your salvation, I mean, you, you would sit there and say that the power of salvation is upon you. And I just believe, you know, that nothing like the Scripture teaches, and I'm always just going to go back to Scripture because... I mean, that's, that's our final authority anyways, is the fact is that nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. 
and, and that neither height nor depth, no, no, any of that can separate us from who God is. And in moments, man, like I get this, let's be, let's real talk here. There's moments of doubt and disillusionment that kind of pull us away. And I don't think uh, my propensity to rebel against God and not have everything under, understanding and comprehending God uh, is God's up there and be like, oh, you know what, man, oh, Jesus didn't cover it anymore. So at the end of the day, man, uh, theology and all this stuff, you can study this and immerse yourself. And at the end of the day, man, I, I just got, I, I'm going to be, I'll be dead and at the feet of Jesus and just claiming and pleading the blood of Christ. And other than that, man, I got enough. Yeah, man, I, I com completely agree. Salvation is not this, this really fragile thing. I, you know, I, I know there's, there's different schools of thought here. Like, like Kevin said, you could probably dive into some soteriology and begin to kind of dig around as to what salvation is and all these types of things. But if you think about who Christ is and what Christ did on the cross, it is not this fragile thing that we have to walk around in fear. I'd even think about the logic of Jesus dying on the cross to save people, to pull people to himself in order that we might have life eternal. If that, being, if that is fragile, then, then the purpose of the cross seems to lose a little bit of its weight. You know what I'm saying? If you were to stub your toe and cuss on the way out here, would you get in your car kind of wondering, dang it, I just uh, worship it's all for naught, right? Now, you, now you're going to hell. Yeah, so, and, and that becomes the fear. If we can lose it, then, how, then when do I lose it? Is it 10 sins? Is it five sins? Is it that really big sin? Is it that thing I did last week? You know, when do I lose it? And if I can't earn my salvation, then I, I really don't think I can earn the losing right. of my salvation. And, and the answer sense? of that is dependent upon, again, what it is that you believe about God. That you would say that God's sovereignty, that God's, God's omniscience, his, his overall being is greater than, than our ability to do anything, is what the answer yeah. for that Jesus. is. Yeah, it's just Jesus. Uh, and I would just say real quick that uh, just be aware. We probably should have said like a caveat like the like the extras on a Blu-ray, that these views do not represent the views of 20th Century Fox and all its affiliates, you know? Yeah. That we're speaking from our personal experience. There are, there are people on both sides of the issue and denominations on both sides of that issue. When it comes to denouncing your faith, uh, we're speaking from, from our understanding and our belief, okay? So realize that there are, there are beliefs all over the place and denominations that believe good people on both sides. I'm not saying I disagree with them. I'm just letting you know that we're speaking yeah. from our experience. We're not representing the views of the denomination or 12 Stone Church, just so you know. Yeah. Okay. What, you, we'll stay on that track for one more question. Um, so in that, in that mold, in that model of God's sovereignty, does God create people with, with the knowledge that they'll never go to heaven? So in other words... Does he predestine people for hell? <laughs> Go ahead, funny man. Am I <laughs> is his mic going out? Don't let that happen. Is it me? Or are you just... No, I think they're just, totally They're like, you, bro. don't, don't <laughs> trust yeah. me. Just mute it. <laughs> Turn his mic off quick. Beep. No. So yeah, does, does that, in terms of, again, it well, all comes back to what it is you like, believe about you, God. There's like three or four questions in that. Absolutely. I mean, does God allow people, permit people, or send people? Does he people? have the knowledge of people? It, it, yeah. The knowledge of people. Uh, does he? Yeah. So like, let's answer one of the, let, let's, I mean. I, we'll I go back, we'll go back to the, kind of the final, hours. the final set of. Does God create people with the knowledge they'll never, never go to heaven? I, I don't believe so. I believe the gift of salvation is, is an option to every single person. And some people uh, choose to walk away from that. But I don't think there's anyone on earth who says, man, I want to know Jesus, but he predestined me for hell. I would love to accept that gift, but he hasn't offered it to me. Like, that does not exist. Yeah, I agree. Okay? Yeah. Yep. 
The concept of God predestinating people for hell is, is a little bit of a different issue. And here is the theology of God that I love that covers a lot of questions for me. I am a totally time-bound creation, right? I started, I, I started and I will end someday. We, we, as creation, started at one point and we will end at some point. God is not bound by time. He was and is and is to come all at the same time, which is super hard for us to grasp, right? Yeah. Which means that when he looks at people, he doesn't see people who weren't saved at one point and then saved at one point. He sees consistently, Jesus talks about the wheat and the tares. He talks about the sheep and the goats. There are some who are mine. There are some who are not. God doesn't see us at one point non-believers and then at some point believers because he is as existent in my birth as he is in my death. He's fully which, present tomorrow as he is, is right now. Which doesn't make any sense. Like, I can't wrap my head around yeah. that, but it makes me feel really comfortable when it comes to salvation because he knows who are his and he knows who will, who will turn away from him. And, and how you define whether he is intentionally sending them to hell as though, you know, he, man, I don't, I don't get it. And, and I'm glad that I'm his and I'm going to fight that everyone I know right. will, will embrace that gift. And right. that's what I'm called to do is right. to, to, to offer that to people. Yeah, I'll say this. Uh, you can trust the character of God. You can trust who he is. You can trust his ways. You can trust his wisdom. You can trust the knowledge of uh, all things that he has. You can trust God. And I feel like those type of questions, we're, we're almost wondering if he's worthy to be trusted. We're almost wondering, okay, does he, will this actually happen? Or does he do this? Or does he do that? I just know this, that he, he does love us. It's, it's, from the beginning of Scripture to the end, it is clear that, that the Lord loves us and we can trust his character. You can trust the God that you've been in here worshiping all, all evening. And you can give these questions to him and you can trust and him real in quick, the process. There is a Scripture passage, and I don't, I don't have the actual passage memorized, where, um, where it says, God does not des de desire that anyone uh, come to destruction, but that all come to repentance through him. Now, the weird thing is that God would want something that doesn't necessarily happen, but he desires that everyone accept his gifts, yeah. gift, but he knows that not everyone will. Does that make sense? So he doesn't send them, he doesn't want, he doesn't want to send people to hell, but he knows people will turn away from him. Yeah. Yeah. He gave us a choice. He gave Adam a choice. Adam screwed us all over yeah. by choosing the wrong choice. <laughs> but I'll take that up with him later. Yeah. Um, this, is, this is maybe my favorite question of the whole night. Uh, well, first, there's one that was sent in. Is it just me or is Travis kind of sassy tonight? Um, yes, okay. Just making sure. That was the actual question. It is question. not just you. Okay. Um, this is actually one of my favorites. So we talk about, again, even the answers to that question, everything we're saying is how you answer these questions is dependent upon what you believe about God. So in, in terms of that, yet again, if God is allowing, if God, I'm sorry, if God is all-knowing and he foresees everything, then why did he create the tree of knowledge? And maybe a better way to say this, why did he create within the story, within the story fabric of humanity and creation, sin? And I'll have a follow-up question to that. But that's, that's the question here. If he's all-knowing, then why did he create the tree of knowledge? Yeah, I think it's a great question. I, I like this question, but it's interesting. It says, if God is all-knowing and he sees everything, why did he create the tree of knowledge? I think that presupposes that there is something intuitive about creation that God needs. At the end of the day, God was fully, 
holy. And the word holy means altogether separate. There was nothing lacking in his being and who he was. He did not cre need creation. So, right. like, in that question, I see the, the component of, like, hey, why would God create anything? Like, was there something that God needed uh, or was absent from <clears throat> his, his being? So when he created uh, something out of nothing, uh, did it add to his value? I would say no. I don't, I don't think there was anything necessary for God to be more God or he was needing something or, uh, or something like that. But I do think it's a great question in the aspect of, of how you have it in here was the plan from the beginning, Jesus' response. Uh, well, yeah, and that's, that's the follow-up to it. Yeah. Would be, so the way that I would see this question, right? So if God created this and he ordained Adam to then sin and, and Lucifer to fall and all these different things, if that's kind of the, the angle we're taking on it, then the question you have to answer is, was Jesus the plan from the very beginning? Yes. Before creation, was Jesus the plan, or was he a response to our sin? And he, here's here's why he I, both? here's why I would say yeah. No, well, but but did the, did the whole did the whole idea of Jesus occur? Him Jesus, coming? Yeah, I had saying. to. Whew, <laughs> did all of that occur because God saw that we sinned and said, "Oh, now I need to go save him"? Or like was Jesus the plan the entire time? Well, I mean, you ask it. I mean, Jesus was always around. There was no like. I mean, maybe the physical manifestation of God in existence, but I think the aspect of the Trinity, I mean, God was of himself. Those, the three-part I'm, I'm, I'm a little tracking with what the question is because it seems like it's circular. Yeah, well, here's what I would say. I believe God wants to know, he wants to reveal himself to us because he wants us to glorify him. He will be glorified yeah, that's his, in, in yeah, all of his angles. Chief end of man. So how can we know God's grace and mercy without sin. How can we know God's love unless it is, it is pulling something out of us? I believe that God wanted, allowed things to happen because he wanted to show sides of himself that could not be shown without that to exist. I'm not saying he predestined it to happen, but he wasn't going to stop it from happening because he knew in our decision he could show a side of himself that is even more amazing. There are things about God that we as humans know that angels will never know because we experience things from God that angels never will. And he wants to show you who he is. And so, by, and, and by the way, the, the natural follow-up that Paul would say, okay, so I should sin more that his grace may abound. Yeah. And he basically says, that's ridiculous, shut up. You're just trying yeah. to find an excuse to do what you want to do. <laughs> right. But the point is that when we do sin, his grace shows up. He wants to show us who he is. And some of those things exist, I think, for the opportunity for him to show, show who his he glory. is. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like there's no glory. such thing as, I mean, the truth is in a science way, and I'm a science nerd, there, there is really no, no uh, such thing as dark. There's just the absence of light. Right. And, and the same thing with cold. There's nothing cold, scientifically called cold. It's the absence of heat. Right. And so I think in the same way is like uh, when you look at this question too, you're talking about sin. Sin doesn't affect, it, it, it hurts God that the creatures that he loves sin and do, uh, and do things that aren't best for them. But it isn't like if we sin, God's like, oh crap, I'm less of a God. Right. I think there's a component of this for in order for me to show light there is an absence of darkness, and I think it's easier for us to choose right. darkness. And in those components, in those negative choices, in those ways of 
choosing selfishness and pride and lust and all of those things on a daily basis, it shows the glorification of who God is uh, in, 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 our, in our freedom of choice. Yeah, and I think obedience is really sweet to God. I think it's something that, um, that man, you, you, you're given this, this option in the garden. I, obviously, there was something that the Lord is looking for from us. And I believe obedience is something that God is he's hunting, man. He, he's looking for that in his people. And when, when we have that in front of us, and you guys experience on a regular basis sin and, and what's righteous. You, you see it. You, you know it exists. There's obedience in that. And I believe obedience is something that obviously that really honors God. Yeah. In, so in, in, the, in creating the tree of knowledge for the opportunity of, yeah, and you can go disobey me, but ultimately it's, the further, the further glorification of God, right? The chief end of man. Uh, yeah, chief end of man. Yeah. yeah. All right, um, there is I want to get into the questions of like aliens and crap. Yeah, well, actually one was just sent in that said, could there be aliens? You want to answer that? Is it possible? Yeah. I, I think so. <laughs> okay. Next. And, 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 and would G... And <laughs> done. Um, I mean, scientifically, it's possible. Yeah, what? Well, it's not impossible. Probability, probability is a little bit. Yeah, who knows? Like, um, who freaking cares? Yeah. <laughs> who yeah. freaking cares if there's aliens? <laughs> Seriously? I mean, I'd like. Who cares? Does it change your view of God? Okay, I mean, seriously, would it change your opinion and your view of God for these? Does it change your opinion? The whole dinosaur question? That kind of. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. We're getting there, sir. Okay, you hang on. Spoiler Hold on. We're talking right, dinosaurs. Right, Hold on. Right, 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 right. All right, so here, there's if another one that was asked. All come all right, together. Come on. They will. There's another one that was asked that says, how do you explain the Holy Trinity? And if you don't mind, I'm going to answer this one. Yeah, please. Please. Okay. Please. So the most, like the most, the most elementary the way I've ever been able to explain the Holy Trinity has to do with water. What is the, what is the, um, the elemental place. compound of ice? H2O. What's the elemental compound of water? Liquid. H2O. What's the elemental compound of vapor? H2O. They're all the exact same thing, three different forms. The Holy Trinity. I know, that's what I was going to say, but I don't You're going to embarrass me now? Whatever. That's the way I think about it. Huh? Nothing. Okay. Modalism. Good question. Uh, I'm human. He's God. I'm not always going to get him. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Like, I'm okay with that. Like, yeah. I'm okay with the concept. With things being here, and I just I can't who, get of, it. Of the being who created me is smarter than me, and I'm not going to understand him, I'm cool with that. There are some people who, who, who can't wrap their head around that. They need an answer for everything. Yes. That's, that sucks to be you, seriously, because. Listen. It totally I, I'm, does, I'm man. Serious. I know. It sucks to be that person. You'll never date a woman because you're gonna, it's if gonna you have you to crazy. understand her. <laughs> if you Don't always got to be right, you're screwed. Since, my, wife, since my wife is in the Sex room, I can really say, <laughs> right, right I Trey, shut your mouth right my now. Wife, and she's incredible, and I love you. Yeah, baby. yeah. <laughs> yeah, Trey, be careful. Listen, okay? uh, understanding is not a prerequisite for obedience in That's all right. of that. And so, I think at the end of the day, we know a lot less than we think we do. I mean, I, yeah. I, I get involved in these conversations, and I'm like, I don't know, and we don't know. I mean, like the truth is, all of us have want to understand stuff before we obedient uh, are obedient to it, unless it's really simple and it looks like it will immediately gratify us. Because then we'll be like, oh, I won't die. Awesome. Like, but if it's something I got to understand, and and like we we use things all the time. I mean, you, most of us don't know how an engine works. Listen, 99.9 percent .9 of us in this room have a zipper, and we don't know how that works. I mean, I'm not saying ah. write it down, but like, do you know the science behind the zipper? 
Like why that works and how it works. I don't. Lights, electricity, how your thing on your half the crap on your phone works. We don't have to understand all that stuff. <laughs> I'm glad so I understand I think, where you're going now. I think at the at the point, listen, I didn't take my Adderall. Okay, listen, so like <laughs> on purpose. If you want to raise in January, you just say yes, sir. Now uh, I think there's a sir. component of this of of I I love this. We we are in a not, we're in a place right now that like if I can't understand it, then it must not be real. And I was looking just last night, just I like kind of troll Twitter and look at like all like uh, Yes, he said like yes, he said troll, okay. Not progressed and all this stuff. And I was looking like Hillary Duff came, was on, on uh was on Twitter and I guess she's getting divorced and, and her whole thing is like, Well, I don't think people can be in love forever. And there's this whole thing of like, if I can't do it, then it must not be real. And the truth is, why do we give up so easily? Why, why, th- there has to be more than what we can understand and just what we see and what we do. and what, like, if, it's, if that's just your prerequisite, all you've got to do is what you can understand, then you probably shouldn't even leave your house. And, and I think the world's got to be a really scary and anxious. And it is for a lot of people, man. We, we've got to have that. So let's roll. We have about 10 more minutes. So right, I'm going I'm I'm to get to the next ones. Uh, this one, what would you say? They don't have to be in bed. Oh, I, yeah. They can leave anytime you want. Are y'all enjoying this? No. No. Matt, Starbucks closes at 9.15. Listen, I bought all of them Listen, Starbucks three weeks ago. Are over. Listen, I don't care. All right. We're going to keep going then. All right. So this question came in on Twitter. It's also one that came uh, just now and also came in earlier. Yes. Why did God allow Lucifer to fall? So Lucifer, don't, don't, don't. angel in heaven, fallen angel out of heaven now into hell. His name is Satan. He is our enemy. Why did God allow him to fall? The wording of my answer, I don't know how to, like, there's Put, probably going to be tons of holes in what I say. You don't know, <laughs> but I'm going to go back to what I said. I believe God allowed certain things to happen because he wanted to reveal his character. Yeah. God's and glory. Grace, forgiveness, mercy cannot exist without rebellion. And God is merciful, is forgiving, and is... Uh, Full of grace. And, and he wants to give that to us. And so I think it also reveals something about his ability, uh, his, his character to allow people to walk away from him. That he is not a deity like many other created deities who will pound you into submission and you will uh, conform yourself to his will. That he will allow people to walk away from him. Which is pretty strange for an all-powerful deity. Comparative... To like Norse and Greek, you know. Yeah, and the mythology and everything else. Yeah, the way I'd always uh, I, I thought about it is, you know, God could be, and He is, of course. But if He was all powerful and not loving, He'd be a dictator. If He was all loving but lacked power, He wouldn't be worthy of our worship. But praise God, He is all of the above in its fullness. So we get to see all. Of Hallelujah! That. Yes, good. Just trying to take you to church, you know. Yeah. Tweet that. Take it. Just bring it. In that. That's an oh, awful no. song. All right. Yeah, I so just found out that was an awful song. It My is wife an awful had to song. Tell me what the song's about. Yeah. Thank <laughs> you. All right. Um, so. This is, a, this is a fun one. We're going to get into some Old Testament stuff. In the, in the Old Testament, if you were not an Israelite, in the Old Testament, if you were not an Israelite, not how could you be saved? Yeah. What would you say? You say I'm, I'm rephrasing your question. I want to make sure I understand your question. Yes. In the Old Testament, in the Old Testament. if you were not an Israelite. Okay. I'm a Gentile. Yes, that, you are. That's correct. Yes. In the Old Testament, how could you be saved? Short Fantastic. Answer. Short answer? 
Who cares? Yet again, who cares? Does it does like, it affect you? Who cares? Does it affect you currently? I mean, I totally get it, but who cares? You know, they're all dead. <laughs> like, they're all dead. <laughs> it's like I'm not. <laughs> It'll affect me. All right, I, how, all right, there. Hold on, hold on a second. I think here's the question. If, if you're taking notes, <laughs> here, here's here's a very interesting study about that question in the Old Testament. There are three types of main characters, and I think most people don't understand the difference between an Israelite, a Hebrew, and a Jew. And there are there are differences in all that. And a lot of okay. times, uh, in in uh, <clears throat> he in Hebrew, they're used interchangeably. But I think. The gift of, of what salvation was, I would say it was through a sense of obedience and sacrifice. Obviously, in, in the early, uh, in, in, well, in, in the Old Testament pre-Christ, it was this sense of, same thing, a surrender of who I am to something greater right. than who I am based upon a blood sacrifice. And the blood sacrifice, and we see that in Passover and killing the lambs and putting the, the blood. Actual the actual practice of a blood practice. sacrifice. See, yeah, and, yeah. and the, the whole thing of, I mean, it goes into soteriology, the aspect of like of knowledge and understanding and through practice and through obedience. But I, I, I do think I mean, obedience is um, applied thought. I mean, the aspect of a, a lot of things of what we do, whether our hearts are in it completely um, I mean, this is really a time that we live in right now. This kind of the last hundred years or so is really where we we've elevated emotion to the yep. aspect. I mean, um, even I remember my grandfather, like going to work in Ireland. It was this aspect of I just worked and it wasn't like I, if I felt I needed to work or if like my emotions. I, I was I remember him saying I'm not excited to say it in this great Irish brogue, but it wasn't like I, it wasn't like I was excited to go to work was necessary to go to work. I just I just went to work. I don't have to be excited about everything. I don't have to, there has to be an emotional connection. And I think in the Old Testament, I mean, it's it's sacrifice. It's this thing greater than, than yourself and all that's that surrender. But if you, I, I, just a side note, I know some of you guys look the difference between a Hebrew, a Jew, and an Israelite. Yeah. And it's a great, and it's really awesome if you can't sleep at night to read a lot of that stuff. But it's, I think it's interesting, but... And I, yeah, and I think the question goes to before Jesus, when grace was available for all, Jew and Gentile, how, how did it, was it even possible for someone that wasn't a Jew? Yeah, so I think there's a lot of things revealed about God throughout the Old Testament that we oftentimes don't bring to light. Um, if you if you're just want to read and study, I would challenge you to study Romans 2, 3, and 4, and maybe Galatians 3 and 4 as well. And we see something happen in Genesis 16. Abraham's kind of chatting with God. They're kind of going back and forth, and eventually... God promises something to Abraham, and Abraham believed God, and it says that it was credited to him as righteousness. And there's something that we're, that's kind of revealed to us in Romans 3 and 4, in that even in the Old Testament, God was checking the heart with faith. That's what he was after. And we see this law in the Old Testament, and we think, all right, so in the Old Testament, to be saved, they had to hit the law just right. They had to bat, they, they, you know, that sacrifice animals, blah, blah, blah. When the reality was, even in the midst of the law, God was after faith. And that is the theme from, from, the, from right. Genesis until now. God is looking for hearts. He's looking for faith. And the law had to exist, as we've talked about a lot, to reveal our sin. We know we're jacked up. You know if you drive home and get on 85 and you go 90 miles an hour, you've broken the law because the speed limit is something else. We had to have the law to know what sin was. And I think that's what kind of clouds our minds with the Old Testament. 
We're like, what the heck is all this junk about doves and, and blood and all this crazy weird stuff? When the reality was God set up a law that was so unattainable that we realized we could not meet that. And all the while, Romans reveals to us that God was looking for faith. And so I believe that salvation was granted probably somewhere in there in the ballpark. In Genesis 16, Abraham believed and it was credited to him as righteousness. Yeah. And by the way, it wasn't just like a mental understanding of, yeah, okay, I buy into that. It was he packed up everything he had and left his hometown and right. went to a place that he didn't know where he was going. Full so belief. It was, it was, it was immediate surrender. It's surrender. It was immediate action yeah. based. There was no mental understanding without action. That's why faith without works is dead. There is no such thing in the Bible as a, as a person of faith who isn't acting upon that faith. So, by the way, and, and I would say in all honesty that answer, my understanding is when you look at uh, people like Rahab and people like yep. uh, other in the Old Testament, other people who were not Jews who uh, were converted or whatever, it, it usually was to, to believe in the one true God. And for guys, it was immediately followed up with by circumcision. Yep. So an immediate act that is pretty big. Uh, and We only um, baptize here at 12 Stones. Right, so right. Know. Fortunately... <laughs> Baptism replaced we, that. We don't Thank check goodness. anything else. <laughs> right. Jeez. Oh, what the devil. All right. So, All right. So, uh, well, um, anyway. speaking of that, this is a, Trey, uh, just a quick one. So if Lucifer, an angel, could fall from heaven, then did he have free will? Are we the only beings with the ability to have free will? Are we the only ability? Uh, did, did Lucifer have free will? I would say, okay. All right. I'm about to make some people upset. I'm sorry. Um, sorry, is, I'm not sorry. It's this okay. This is where we, we, we can kind of answer. You can give my answer of who cares. If you <laughs> want, I'm to. cool with that. Um, I will say this, and this is where there's tons of, obviously there's something happening in scripture where the volition and choice of man factors into decision making. The terminology free will does not exist in scripture. So with that being said, I, uh, there is something happening in the volition of man. There's something happening in the choice of man. There's some responsibility put on the decisions we make. Right. Um, but I believe that I will always point back to the greater plan of God in that. In that. And obviously, angels can fall away yes. from God. It yes. Does, it he chose to be disobedient to God's yes. call. So and to yes. say that I should the be worshipped and not God. Yes. Yes. Um, yeah. Okay. This is a personal one that's also just asked in that. Um, that I think, I'm curious to hear your heart in it. All of us have children. A question was just sent in, what would you do if your child renounced God? Keep praying. Yeah, yeah. Cry, cry my eyes out. Um, my nine-month-old's quoting Romans 8 in the back, so. He basically just said, hallelujah, I heard it. Um, that's good. Yeah, if your child renounced God, what would you do? How would you, how would you respond? Yeah, I think tears would sure. be probably the first. And then... Uh, I wouldn't, I mean, unless they're dead, there's still life. That's right. Know? So, I, I mean, I would, I would, I, I believe that there are times when a lot of people renounce things, you know, that they hold dear at one time or another. I, I, and if that was the end of it and we quit, if every time my wife and I got in an argument, or if every time your parents, and I don't know your situation, but said, I want to, you know, that maybe this isn't worth it, or I'm done with this, or I'm leaving, um, if that meant we had no opportunity to mend that relationship, then we, you know, there would be a lot more broken homes even than there are now, you know. So I, I, that's not the end of it, you know what I mean? Yep. Yeah. But I would say this, my emotion does not change my belief. Nope. It would challenge it. I'm not saying I would ever be happy in all of that, but I, I think ultimately, um, man, it just keep praying through. I mean, let's be honest. All of us in here, I've got 
right. people that it's not just my child, but people that I dearly love. Yeah, that we don't, so- don't love that don't love Christ or don't or renounce him or are just consistently disobedient or decide, man, like I don't need God or I'm smarter than God or any of those kind of things. Yeah, we associate the fact that it's a child with our heart being broken more than normal. But anyone who doesn't know Jesus should break our heart if we know Jesus. Absolutely. Yeah. And and there's a I think it also comes back to the like responsibility. Is my child's salvation my responsibility? No. It's Jesus. It's Jesus. That's a decision that he has to make, my son Bowen or my daughter Charlotte. It all comes back to Jesus. Yeah, it's Jesus. So I rear him as much as I can towards Jesus and pray and trust and hope that Jesus does the work of saying, you're mine. And if they turn their back on on Christ, I you know one of the most hopeful stories of grace in all of Scripture is the thief on the cross. That right. in his dying breaths, he places his faith in Christ and their salvation. And so, because of that picture of grace and salvation, and he's with man, him. if my son turns his back on the Lord for his entire life, I will pursue and pursue and pursue and never give up. In his dying yeah, yeah. Go. All right, we're gonna move to the next one. Um, why are there so many denominations in Christianity, and what are all the differences? Yeah. yeah. First off, yeah, you want a you want a 140 character answer. Hey, I will, I'll answer this because I, I think this is a great. I think this is a great question. <laughs> Sorry, I think Sorry you, to whoever said that. I, I'm, yeah. I'm an a hole. Sassy like, pants. You're a good person. Sassy pants. That's that's the uh, Christian way of saying he's a jerk. I, I think when you think about religions, that every religion. Every belief system and all that can go into one of three camps at, at their fundamental essence. Uh, you have one, one camp that says that uh, only the universe exists. That's where you put naturalists, atheists, all of that stuff, that it is the physical. That's the, every, it's only physical. There is no supernatural. There's nothing outside the empirical, what I can taste, you know, taste and smell and see and test and observe and all of that. There's only physical. And then you have, you have other ones, uh, for example, uh, uh, Buddha, uh, Buddhism and uh, uh, the, the Taoism, all of this stuff that are on the other side that said only the supernatural exists. That existence is an illusion. Uh, you have, to, you know, in Buddhism, the, 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 the drive and the posture of that is to rid yourself of desire, of hunger, of pain and all this stuff. But then, quite honestly, so it's either like everything's natural and physical or, or nothing is natural and physical. And then you really only have like Judeo-Christian, Islam, some other ones that fall into this, it is both. That they're, everything is spiritual and that they're, you know. The physical it, realm physical exists as well. realm and it, it fits. That the death of a child is not meaningless. Right. Uh, the love of a man and a woman is not meaningless. Because if you choose one of those, everything else is loose. So you can't say like, man, I, there is no God, there is nothing supernatural, there is nothing physical, and then say, let's be honest, the things that we value as humans the most are usually non-physical. I mean, sure. like, it is my, my garage is filled with crap that my kids do in the last few years and say, I had to have this toy and had to do all that stuff. And it, it's same with us. I mean, there, you know, no one runs out this year. It's like, I need the iPhone too. You know, like it, 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 uh, our physical stuff. Two? two? What? iPhone two? Yeah. I don't even know if there is a, there was, wasn't there? <laughs> I'm Keep just going. saying no one's excited about something that happened five years ago where everybody was at some right. point. And I think, 
I think with that kind of <laughs> there, physical, there it is. Huh? <laughs> what? Uh, I'm just messing you up now. I'm sorry. The, exactly. It's hard. I, well, I why? Why well, within having a 150 IQ is that you don't? Oh, so okay. Um, now that that I'm just see kidding. that that compares that compares Christianity to a lot of the other religions and how they, they stack yes. up. But within within Christianity, and I think even more so to, to really narrow it down, within Protestantism, why are there so many denominations? Because there's a lot of different beliefs. There's a, there's a ton of things. In all honesty, we like to surround ourselves with people who believe exactly what we believe. Right. Close. And so when you, when you play that out over 2,000 years people kind of look for reasons to not agree with each other and then surround themselves with people who agree exactly with what they believe. Sure. And when you're looking at a document that was created 2,000 years ago plus, um, there's a lot of room for interpretation plus our own natural sinfulness plus uh, you know the selfishness that rises up inside of humanity uh, splinters off. And, and um, Yeah, and there's preferences play a lot into that. I mean, I think if they're fundamentally the same a lot of them, um, but the way they practice and different things they view are different. So it's like, man, I like this type of music. I'm going to go to this church. I mean, we get people that come in here all the time, and they're like, man, I don't like the music. It's too loud. I'd like to rather hit. There's nothing wrong with that. That's not, that doesn't change our denominational bent of where we are, but I think you can major on minor things, and right. churches do that. I mean, there's yeah. churches that, man, you got to use this version of the scripture, or you, it's not the real Jesus. It's not the real inspiration. I think that's when start stuff starts splitting up and right. having issues. And when, when it comes to denomination, there's probably, I'm not going to name them, like six things that are, as a, as an evangelical Christian or non-denominate, I mean, not that I'm, Six, uh, six things right that are non-negotiable, I, I would say, and I'm not going to go through those, but Jesus is the Son of God, etc. Uh, the Jesus. rest of things tend to be kind of minor schisms, but for some reason just tend to separate us. Uh, I mean, there's questions that you guys have asked tonight that would eventually lead to a breakup of people in, the, in, in this room, okay? There's denominations that split around some of the questions you've asked right. over the course of this, this entire right. series. And so what you have to do is decide in your heart, Okay, am I going to look for a gospel preaching, Jesus believing, you know, highness of God church, or am I going to allow, you know, look for those things, or am I going to allow something petty to kind of uh, right. shift me around? And those are the questions. At the end of the day, it's just Jesus. And, and real quick, let me say, I think there are tons of people who would say, we are a church of Jesus only, Son of God. We worship him, he is our salvation. But then there are things below it that are preferences, and that's okay. You know what I mean? Like right. that, that we want to emphasize this particular tertiary theology. Uh, Big that, word. That is down. That is down underneath, and that's okay. You know, yeah. like I don't think everyone has to worship in one huge ecumenical building. Right. Another you know, big I think, word. I think there's room for that. That's man. You just but scrabbled if it all of us. If that's the problem. I mean, look at this yes. last week. What colors the dress? Hey, you know? what, that was in here. But let's be honest. Yeah, right. You got black, black and blue. blue. Hey, hey, hey. black and blue. White and gold. You're wrong. Ugly. It's freaking black and blue. It's an ugly dress. And he let, like... Okay. Listen, but no one's debating that it's a dress. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's the issue is, like, when we start... But it's a dress. And it's ugly. Okay? Yes. Like, at the end... No that's the color. That for, well, somebody will get that for prom. Um, <laughs> but at some point, it's like, there are those things of, like, what do we focus on? Are we right. focusing on the, the fact that Man, it's your preference or mine or all of that stuff. I think yeah. I think is 
different ways you look at it. So here's what we're going to do. It is almost 9:10, and we want to keep going. We're here. Would you like to keep going? Okay. Ten minutes. Um, what I want us to do, though, because we y'all been sitting down for a while, is I want everyone to stand up. Everyone stand up. Give a little stretch. And if you need to leave, this is now an opportunity yes, for you to head out and go. not feel super awkward, okay? Or want to leave. Or if you like, think that we're all idiots and you want to leave, it's fine. Just like, oh, that yeah. sucks. But we, are, we would like to keep going if you want to. For another, for another few minutes, we've got a few more questions we're going to go after. Okay, now, now everyone can sit back down. Yes. There. Good. Thank you. Thank you for all not leaving. Yeah. That is really <clears throat> Thank you for making this room filled with people and not us feel really bad about ourselves. You. So, hey, the rest of you guys can just pray, you know, on the way home that God will forgive you. Just yeah. Saying. Oh. It's okay. We still love you. You can't lose your salvation. It's okay. Yes. <laughs> but, if you could, your audience. but if you could. But if you could. The rest of you it's are happening. Done. To be yeah. It's happening. How dare you. All right. Let's keep moving on then. I like these. Um, let's go to one that just came in. Uh, someone says, what does ter, she, Airy with like hyphens in between it actually mean. <laughs> that was very phonetical in the way you wrote there that out. Um, it D means secondary. R T I A R Y. Yeah. See Scrabble. Um, all right, another one that just came in. Um, how do you forgive someone? Hey, let me answer that question. There's secondary. I said secondary. And there's tertiary. Yes. Tertiary is like below secondary. Exactly. Hey, sure. I'm an English major. I can come up with whatever I want. All right, so. How do you forgive someone, but also protect yourself from being in that position again? Of being hurt again. I think you're always going to be set up to be hurt again. Yep. I don't know if you're ever going to be able if to you love To love anything at all is to make yourself vulnerable. However. Yes. Not to, to go with yours. But, but there's however, wisdom. Yeah, like just because forgiveness does not mean... Forgiveness does not mean forgetting. No, and it doesn't mean that we're buddy-buddy because I forgive you. It doesn't mean like I punch my wife in the face, I ask for forgiveness, and then she's like, I have to act like he never punched me, you know? Like, no, that's not true, you know? Like, there is wisdom in in using the knowledge you have about someone to act wisely in a relationship with them from that point forward. So, um, like, you need to use the, the actions of someone's past to, to divine their character, for lack of a better term. So uh, anyway, like I, I think it's foolish to say that forgiveness means you act like it never happened. No. That's not what biblical forgiveness is. And forgiveness also doesn't necessarily even mean that I have to be best friends with you again. Forgiveness just means that I choose to say I'm not going to hold this against you anymore. I let the blood of Christ apply to your sin. Right. And I will view you the way that... Because that I have been forgiven, you. I can forgive others. Yeah. Yeah. All right, um, we'll move to the fun one. That, See us afterward. Yeah, whoever asked that, yes. Here's the, here's the fun one that all the people that left get to miss out on. Dinosaurs. I have done this now. I have now done this. I know my answer. I have now done this 11 times. Every single time I've done this, the question of how do dinosaurs fit in the Bible has been asked. So Josh, well done. Um, Josh, thank you for that question. Um, Dinosaurs, how do they fit into the story of the Bible? Yeah. Monahan's first question we heard this. Don't what do you mean? The, answer. He's freaking long. Yeah. The purple one? Dinosaurs, give it 30 seconds and move on. The purple one? My, you want to know my answer? I don't know. That's mine. Why uh, do okay. have to fit in the story of the Bible? That's just weird. Yeah. Expl- then how, how does it all match I, up? 
Well, I, are there, my answer, I don't you know. Have, you have some people. You have some people that believe that dinosaurs don't exist. Sure. The Berenstain Bears would say otherwise. People that, but I, I mean, I think that there were dinosaurs. I think. Okay. Yeah. So what's the question? Like, hey, I believe I believe that there was a universal flood that literally covered the entire Earth. Yes. I believe that potentially that could have uh, played a role in the extinction of entire species, okay. uh, including almost humanity. And, uh, and I don't know if that's related. I have not gotten into the strata and how that relates to different things. But I know that um, part, of, part of science, part of your interpretation of science has to do with the filter through Come which on. you view evidence. I view the world through the filter of the Bible first and then everything else. There are others who view first through what they, uh, what they see science to be and then filter the Bible through the, the lens of what they see as science, scientific evidence. Right. And I, I am not that way. So I start with the Bible and work my way down. How that plays into dinosaurs and all that, I don't know, man. They're bones. And yeah, I, they're pretty yeah. cool looking. Yeah, and they're huge. They make for a freaking good movie. Yeah. And that's all. There's a new one of those coming out. Yeah. There is, that? yeah. Um, okay, I just got... And like tapped on the leg, like teacher. So you not have Ooh, Twitter? call me, call me. Um, not on Twitter. Twitter. So um, here's here's the question that was asked, and I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna reword yours a little bit, okay? Um, it was asked in terms of marriage. Yeah. What are the biblical grounds for divorce? Okay, so in Matthew it uses the word except for porneia, which can be used for adultery, could be used for pornography. Uh, they have a limited vocabulary compared to the extensive vernacular that we use today. Because mm, like we're so much right, smarter. So, um, I do, I think that this, I, I think, I'll say this, when it comes to divorce, remarriage, all that stuff. I think, first of all, that God's intention is for one man and one woman to be together when they get married till death of one of them. Yes. Okay? Without one of them killing the other. Okay? <laughs> I think that's the first part. I think God also hates Divorce. Yes. Okay. And therefore, that is because not he says, "I hate divorce." Okay. Just Thank so you know, he literally says, "I am the Lord. I hate divorce." Correct. So, like, it's not up for debate. I'm just letting you know, it's not like a. Did I'm pretty sure he does. he does. He said it. So. Go ahead. I just want to make sure. Sometimes. That's in the Bible. Yeah. Yeah. That literal, is in like, the Bible. Script. Yes. Yeah. Thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, so I, I <laughs> got me all like cattywampus. Um, you flustered him. I, I, just, I keep feeling like I'm going to say a sentence and, and he's going to translate it like I'm speaking Japanese. Uh, you befuddled. And, and I, may, I may be, but um, I think there is a, uh, because God's intention is marriage to death, and I think that um, God hates divorce, but I think God loves people more than anything else. I do think divorce in itself outside of um, adultery and I think adultery is more than just an act. I think it's a hardening of a heart. I, th I, I honestly think if I've seen couples, and, and my background uh, is in, in marriage and family counseling and all that stuff, I've seen far too many couples looking for an excuse just to be done. Yeah. And say, oh, you know what? He looked at porn. That's porneia. I'm out. There's bigger issues than just that. Right. Because it doesn't take much for a man to l lust after another woman. Nope. I mean, like, consciousness and a Carrie Underwood video. Like, so <laughs> at, 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 at the end of this, dun, dun. Carrie Underwood can do no wrong. I'm just saying. Like, and. Well, let me ask, let me, let me switch it on this because the actual question had to do with physical violence. Is physical violence 
uh, uh, biblical grounds of divorce. Yeah, I, so... Go, go ahead. You got an answer? <clears throat> Think about it, son. It's real. No, I no, no. Real. I'll, I'll, answer, no, no. I'll answer with my understanding of the scripture. Yeah. There is no biblical grounds for divorce. But, but not obviously, not everyone agrees with that. My, my interpretation of the scripture in Matthew is that book is specifically written to Jews in a, in a time in which uh, the concept of engagement was the same as marriage. That if, when Joseph was engaged, a spouse to be married, to betrothed, whatever, to his hey, wife, uh, Mary, or his fiancee, Mary, um, he had it in his mind to divorce her privately, right? Because she cheated on him. So he thought. So, right, right. Or so, so he, he thought. Assumed. Yeah. And so She's he pregnant. I didn't do it. Yeah. In that engagement time, which in the Jewish time was the same as marriage, that they were allowed during that period. I think my understanding is since the, the book of Matthew is written specifically to Jews. And by the way, if you don't know this, the, the books of the gospel were written to different audiences. Just so you know, that that verse is only mentioned in Matthew. And I think it's a Jewish centric concept that's speaking specifically to that engagement period, which Jews would understand is the same as marriage. You can only write them a certificate of divorce if there's been marital unfaithfulness. Now, that being said, that does not mean that you stay in an abusive relationship. I don't believe that at all. I believe that separation and, and a physical separation and leaving that relationship is appropriate. And if that person chooses and, and to- necessary and wise. Totally, yes. yes. And, I, and I don't believe that uh, if there's, uh, whether it's physical violence or or any number of things, if there's repetitive cheating, that, that yeah. I think it's totally appropriate to remove yourself from that relationship. But divorce and saying, I'm done and I'm moving on from this relationship, I yeah. personally don't see that there's an opportunity for a Christian to do that in the Bible. That's yeah. my interpretation of the scripture. It doesn't mean it doesn't happen. It doesn't mean that grace doesn't happen. But, but if you're looking for an excuse, you won't find it in me. Yeah, that's right. So often the next step from divorce, I think the, the question that a lot of people have is what about remarriage? So if you have divorced um, under, uh, let's take the, the both cases. So you have divorced under some sort of biblical, uh, I guess, acceptance of divorce. Um, I would say in that case, remarriage, can, you, can ha- you can get remarried without, adult, without it being adultery. However, until then, if you, even if you are, let's just say you divorced um, it was it was sin. There was not biblical. Uh, there's not a, a biblical reason for divorce. You find yeah, yourself. you just didn't get person. along, or yeah, you disagreed so, uh, on money, or that yeah. marrying in that in that in that case is unfortunately I, from scripture. I think is is adultery. Right at, at that point. However, all that being said, is divorce a sin? Yes. Is adultery a sin? Yes. Are they the unpardonable sin? Absolutely not. There's grace. There we'll get to that grace. in a second. Go. That last kind of thing. I agree with Travis up to a point because I do think there in the epistles there's there's a few issues of one. It says, if an unbelieving spouse desires to divorce, then you allow it and you let him go. Hold on. But I do think this, the, the prerequisite of this question is that marriage is sacred. Your sexuality is sacred. I mean, you can ask 57,000 different questions about <coughs> sexuality, marriage, all this stuff. I think it's a sacred union and it is not one to go into lightly. Nope. I think you'll very rarely ever find a guy that starts when he's 28, 29, 30 years old being like, I'm going to start being violent towards my wife. Um, Who you are dating, look past their external, see how they treat their mom, ladies. See how they treat animals. 
see how they treat other people, the elderly, all of that stuff. See, I mean, if your guy is like, all he's talking about is violence kind of stuff, that, that comes from some place. Yep. And I think what happens is a lot of times we make bad decisions going into something and then sit there. And I'm not saying it's your fault. Don't hear me. Uh, that's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying for most of you in this room, you are not married and you have the opportunity to make wiser decisions now. And yes, it's hard because he may treat you well and he may have six pack abs and he may be awesome and, and all of this stuff and smart and good looking. Like I was like 20 check, years ago. Check, check, all keep of that going, stuff. keep going. But it, it, <laughs> it's good, it's good. <laughs> Okay, five but, for five. But I, but, I, but I think from this question, it's like where you're at now, you have, you have the opportunity to make really, really wise decisions. Yep. And a lot of people are like, man, if I make that decision now, I'm going to be alone. Being alone no. now is much better than being alone inside of marriage. And, 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 and the person and you date, inside. the person you date is the person you marry. Yeah. It's the same person. R- right. Like it, so see red flags and don't be well, dumb. Well, that's what I say to people all the time. I'm like, well, you know, we had sex before we were married. I, the the, the po- problem is that erodes your morality to a standpoint of now you're looking to this person that's married, and they didn't want God's best before you were married. Why in the world are you going to think they want God's best when you're married? Right. And I think there's just this component of, I get it. I mean, but, like, if I can go and say, God, you know, we're dating. She's hot. I'm hot. I, I watch all this stuff, and, and, it, and it's okay for us to violate the marriage before, right. I'm easily going to violate that marriage covenant because there's nothing stopping me right. other than getting than, than the thought of getting caught. And right. that's where stuff get. oh, I've been sneaking around and, I, and all of this stuff. And I think when you start violating that union, but I agree with Travis on the aspect of, man, physical separation from violence, even for an extended, yes. extended time until that person is either incarcerated or, you know, or, or has so much repentance that is followed up by time, uh, not just I'm sorry, but there is evidence, long-term evidence of reconciliation yeah. and renewal time. Of, of, of all of time. that. So. All right, we got, we got, we're going to do four more questions, all right? So yeah. Speed round? One, one, no, maybe not even Grandpa's speed. But older. One just came in that says, um, that talks about physical appearance. Does God judge you upon your physical appearance? And with a primary emphasis on piercings, will God judge you for piercings? No. Done. Don't say that. I really like but, tattoos and stuff, so. Yeah, show me your tattoo on your hand right here. This, I have yeah. like seven so. tattoos. Yeah. Yeah, he's yeah. going. He's going to hell. Yeah. Not just for that. Show us the whale. Sit or sleep by the tramp stand, bro. That's why I have tattooed on me. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The, listen, oh, man. listen. Oh. The, answer, the answer is no. And if anyone tells you otherwise that it matters what you look like. But can it be a sin? Yes, because I think. It Absolutely. Can be a, you can do it in a sense of rebellion. Could you, yeah, like eating French fries could be a sin, too. You know, so. yeah, it can be. That, but, well, it can't. I mean, I think we can. So can stuff. drinking eight Mountain Dews in an hour, like gluttony, it right? You know what I mean? I you, mean whoa. Whoa. But yes, the actual the actual appearance of having a, a, an ear pierced or getting tattoos, all of that, like you want to call like real Old Testament like law that you like, it's all fulfilled. 
None of that. Well, and even in the context in which it's mentioned in Leviticus 20, you know, when people tend to bring up that Leviticus passage. I mean, I used to have that thrown in my face all the time. culturally, it is not. And there's so much context within the scripture. And you go on to read the Levitical law. There's so many things that none of us really abide by anymore because of who Christ was. It was fulfilled. But even in the context of Leviticus, when it says, don't mark yourselves in the memory of the dead, the whole purpose of the law for Israel was to set Israel apart from 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 pagans from right you know, from those nations. around them that were not and, following and God. Several surrounding nations would slice themselves and pour dye into their cuts in order to mark themselves in memory of the dead. And it was this idolatry, this like pagan worship ritual. And so God says, "Hey, don't do that. Don't slice yourself, pour dye in your wounds to worship some other god." So therefore, he you know he says, "Don't do it." And then we try to drag that into the New Testament, to right. the New Covenant. It's just a preach, waste of time. man. So, he's so angry. Yes. Isn't he? I'm so. I, I have tattoos so and I love Jesus. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> That dad. Do yeah. not use your freedom. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There, there's a part right. of you to not use your freedom as a stumbling block for others. So I know about 18 yes. months ago, I was got the opportunity to teach in Nova Sibir, Siberia. And over there, one of our guys in our translator, because I have several tattoos, he was like, just don't show them because over in that culture, it's a stumbling block to them. The so cultural, so yeah. Therefore, why would I go in there and show my Wisdom. freedom? To as as a stumbling block to my brothers and sisters right. in Christ. So there, there's this. wisdom in that. I would say this. Uh, I, I would say this. I would challenge. Here's the deeper issues I would challenge about tattoos. I would have students come to me, 18, 19 year olds, when I was a student pastor, and they'd say, "Hey, my mom and dad said I couldn't get a tattoo, but you have a tattoo, so can I go get one?" And I'm like, first of all. What? No, absolutely. You know, there, there's probably a few things that need to happen here. One, submission to mom and dad is a great thing, even into adulthood. Okay, right. commandment in terms of honoring your parents. Second, you don't have any money. Is it? A, <laughs> is it a good? Are you being a good steward of your ch- of your change, your nickels and your dimes, by going and saving up two hundred bucks for a tattoo when when you probably aren't even dropping anything into the tithe box? I'm not saying that's any of you guys, but but you get the idea. There's always a little bit of something yeah, deeper. Right. There's always a little bit of something deeper, and I would say if you're if you're wondering in here, hey, can I get tattoos? I would ask the question of kind of where's family? Are you going to cause somebody to stumble? Right. And are you being a good steward of what God's given you? Does it make sense for? Are you going to hold back food from yourself in order to get a tattoo? You know that yeah. kind of thing. All right, we're gonna we're, wait, we're gonna we're gonna move One to sentence. God judges you on your heart, but your actions yes. follow your heart. Yes. Yeah, All right, move to Ooh. two two other kind of taboo topics because this is kind of one. Um, I'm going to read how the question is written, and then you can interpret and reword how you need to. How does Jesus feel about homosexuality? Why didn't he talk about it himself? That's how it was written. Panel? Travis? I mean, when we read this, I said, well, Jesus didn't talk about a lot of things. And I (laughs) inserted a ton of weird things. I won't say what I said. but um, Here, here, actually, knowing this question was going to come up, Here's, here's what, uh, here's what I, 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 I think we need to understand. Yes. And, and, and give the context of, with, within this question, what we really want is this like blanket black and white thing yeah. that's, that, that's best said not in this conclusive statement, but in a conversation. Yes. Sure. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and we're going to answer it something like that in 60 seconds or so. That really could become a 60-minute conversation one-on-one with someone. Ask questions, relay your heart, speak the truth, all those things. But at the heart of it... These are two questions, by the way. In yeah. my opinion, there are two implications. One is that it only matters if Jesus talks about it. And two is the actual question about homosexuality. And so there's a reason that the Bible is this book and not like let, let me, this book. Here, all right? That's the Gospels. This is, 
This is the time that Jesus was around, all right? There's a reason that the entirety of the gospel is this entire book. This is the story of God's redemption in mankind, and all of it matters, okay? It all plays a role, not just the red letters, okay? And so just because Jesus didn't say something to an unbelievably religious sect in a small portion of the Middle East doesn't mean that it doesn't matter for the rest of the world for all of eternity because in the entirety of the gospel, it is spoken about multiple times, okay? That being said, um, I'm going to be careful about how I say this because, again, I'm not reflecting 12 Stone's um, uh, 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 mindset on this, and this is not a formal It's not an official position. Yeah, yeah, this is just my it's not. It's not a statement. It right. is your... Right, so please turn off the recording, if you could. <laughs> um, the truth is, ever since Adam and Eve sinned, the entire world has been broken ever since. And the only person who can bring us back to together to heal us is Jesus Christ, right? And I believe that ever since that choice was made, there were unbelievable ramifications on every part of society, creation, and our identity. So my natural tendency to be a liar and manipulative and try to affect people's emotions so they like me better is a broken version of what I should be getting from God, right? Uh, my tendency or someone's tendency, it's not necessarily mine, but a lot of the tendency to give yourself toward rage and anger is a broken version of what God created in us, right? I believe that our sexuality is broken. Sometimes that shows itself in a number of ways. All but, of us. But if exactly. So my desire to look beyond my marriage for sexual fulfillment <clears throat> is a broken version that started at the garden. Before the garden, here's what we see. We see God creating a man and a woman created together to love each other in monogamy and full uh, companions. Yeah, full companionship, reproduce and enjoy sexuality together. Then sin happened and all this other crap happened. That being said, so here's what I understand, that we are all broken. We are, we are all broken and can only be healed by Christ. I believe that sexuality, um, homosexuality, is a broken version of what God originally designed for us. And that in no way indicts you or anyone any more than anyone else's brokenness in this room. Does right. that make sense? Yep. In no way does God say, well, I... I I don't really like the fact that they like, you know, the same gender as them, and so I can't save them as well. Or I'm more angry at gay people. Because what usually happens when people ask this question, what they're really saying is, will you accept me? They're not really, what they want to do is say. Or, or do you accept them? Right, right. Yeah. Whoever's asking. Exactly. Yeah. Usually what you, what you want to do is you ask a simple question so that I can identify you and put you in a box, and you represent something. Are you Democrat or Republican? Well, it's a little more complex than that. No, no. No, no it's not. Are you Democrat or Republican? Well, I'm a Republican. Oh, so you hate uh, poor people. Okay. And you only love rich people. No. Why, why, why would you? Because you want to put people in a box. It helps us understand people. So we ask simple questions to complex. We want simple answers to complex questions so that we can make sense of something. And that's not easy. All right? So... I believe that God designed all the way before sin. God designed sexuality to be between uh, to be between a man and a woman in marriage in a committed monogamous relationship. Then sin happened, and everything else was broken from that point forward. I am as broken as anyone else, any homosexual, yep. any straight person, and right. we are all in need of Christ. And that is not an indictment in any way against 
Christ's ability to save us. Right, and so taking and taking it, uh, yes, and taking taking the issue of this off of off of a pedestal that our culture puts it on, in terms of in terms of what we believe and what we see in the Bible, right? In terms of of sin, it's no different than 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 any other sense of sexual sin. That it is within a realm of sexual sin that, that committing adultery or looking at pornography or uh, doing things outside of the, the confines of marriage and, and premarital sex or homosexuality, all of these are a result of the brokenness of our world, our, our need for a redeeming Savior of Jesus to make us whole again. But it's not this taboo subject of, well, if you're that, then you're done. Like it, let's call it what it is. It's sexual sin. The Bible's clear about that. There's no getting around it. The problem is that, that all people want to know is, do you believe it's sin? Because if you believe it's sin, then the implication is you hate me. Right, which is so here's the far pro- from the gospel. Well, here's the problem. Most of us don't know any gay people. Right. So how would they know if we love them or not? Right. You know what I mean? Like, I know very few homosexualities and it, uh, homosexuals, and it, and it, re- <laughs> and it, and it bothers me. The multiple me. versions. <laughs> it, re- it really bothers me. It bothers me that I have no relationships with homosexuals. Because listen to the heart in this, though, because I, I agree. Because what I'm saying is, uh, well, I, I, I want to act like I love you, but I don't really want to get to know any of you. You know what I mean? I don't want to really know the struggle that you're going through. I don't want to understand that part of brokenness. Right, because I just want to identify it as sin and move on. And we'll say we love you and you can come to church sometimes, but I'm not going to go offer coffee with you because it's weird. Right, because here's what happens in our culture is... We, and even kind of goes back to the denomination question, is we feel like a difference in position has to separate us.